welcome to episode 401 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Will. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me, much to the surprise of myself. He's wearing his very expensive gas station Texas Chainsaw Massacre t-shirt and scary hat. Russell John the Fisherman. Yeah, I'm really pumped for the new game. Oh. So I'm wearing my Texas Chainsaw merch, dude. You're talking about the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game? Yeah. Yeah, I just watched that video with you, and I I don't know how I feel about it. It looks pretty interesting. Is yeah, that Clark? I don't know. It looks good. It looks like the Friday the 13th game where they're like you're literally in the movie, but it also looks like it might get really boring. Yeah. Like what? You, you There are four different survivors. You're trying to get out of the basement. And the guy talk, who played the demo said that there's like multiple ways to get upstairs and then two ways to get out of the house. And then that's how you get away. But you, there's also three killers. I don't know. The family plays a part. Yeah, as they, they should in every family. I know. I like how you can feed grandpa blood. Yeah. But you can't play as him. And he's an NPC. I'm really looking forward to that element of the game. Also, as far as all of those games go, the, the women look much more titillating in that game than they do in any other one. Yeah. They, are, they are hourglasses come to life. Well, You didn't notice? No. You're desensitized from all the uh, mother.com or whatever. Or I'm gay. Motherless. I don't. I haven't don't done that in years. Are they so. still up? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> they didn't get caught up in a child trafficking or anything. You know, they they've got their own thing going on. Oh, speaking of child trafficking, have you looked at like the text? <laughs> like, so what, we can... <laughs> hey, hey, we haven't even introduced okay. everybody. All right, well, we're trying to. You wonder why we get kicked <laughs> off of YouTube? You're coming in hot on child trafficking. I haven't even introduced Randy I Michael Stat or Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hello to you both. And what's up? <laughs> Jesus <Nice>. Christ. <laughs> well, it's funny because last time we were talking about uh Randy's preferred creator of the Rick and Morty Morty series, the one who actually voices Morty and Rick. And have you been following that, Randy, as it's unfolded? Not really, no, not since last week. Okay, well, um uh You have updates? <laughs> dude, I was watching Legion of Skanks. Oh. And they got excellent news source. I know, dude, but so of course they're like, dude, they started chanting his name because they, they were saying he was cool. <laughs> and then um <laughs> but the thing is they're pulling up the tweets that or like you know, all Randy mentioned last time that the DMs were coming out. They're hilarious. I, I suggest you look him because he would just be like, How do you like being jailbait, you little bitch? And he'd be like, you know, he's yeah. like, if they were just like mean, they didn't like if you're going to build a case that this guy was trying to like gaslight or like, um, what's it groom these girls, you wouldn't do it with the DMs. It looked like he was riffing them like uh, like in character, like he would write even like, you know, like sick or like it's hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> I, I highly recommend you watch that Legion of Skanks video. All right. It's 15 minutes. It's worth it. Can we take a break? And, and Zach Amico's right there, too. Oh, Zach Amico. Yeah. So Unofficial you, friend of this show. Yeah. Yeah. One degree removed. That's right. We'll take it. Uh, Randy, how's Atlanta? How's everything going, babe? Uh, good. I've done uh, a whole lot of nothing this weekend. It's just been uh, gloomy and rainy. So, I, uh, yeah, that's about it. Did all that rain take a week to get over to Atlanta? Uh, it's been on and off here. I, we had a uh, pretty gnarly thunderstorm last night. I woke up uh, at like 4 a.m. to uh, a very bright strike of lightning and uh, very loud thunder following. But uh, 
I like a thunderstorm. Where did you saw the lightning? Correct. Where, where did the lightning hit? Apparently pretty close because the thunder was like almost directly afterwards. So like, I don't know, right outside my house, maybe. The trees and everything you're fine. Lose power. Oh, yeah. Still got power. Still got a, uh, yeah. Internet. Everything's good. Have you raked your goddamn leaves? No. We've talked, you've brought up the leaves like the last three episodes and each time I keep telling you that they're all gone. <laughs> you also mentioned uh, the, the Texas Chainsaw uh, game and how family plays a big part in the game, apparently. Yes. Also plays a big part in both my favorite restaurant chain and uh, film franchise. Thank you so much. Russell, do you know what those are? No. You don't know what the restaurant is? Family? I when you're know. here, you're family. Uh, no. Oksana? Olive Garden. Thank you so much. Oh. And the yeah. film the film franchise. Final it, Destination. Oh, my family. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's not? No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's centered around cars. And it was a sarcastic uh, answer. Correct. Oh, yeah. Fast and Furious. Ding, ding. I learned that from Blu-ray Tuesday. <laughs> hey, because Terrell knows what's up. He has good taste in that regard. Otherwise, it's it's hit and miss at best. All right. Uh, Russ, anything, any other notes uh, of import up top? Any uh, exciting news updates over the week? I know you were sick, apparently. I'm so, I you know, I was. I, I got influenza. I didn't even know that until like 15 know, minutes ago. Because I, you know, I was also hosting as we had our uh, longtime friend uh, Marbles come out. So I was like, you know what? Fake it till you make it. Um, actually, I got influenza. I, I don't, called it influenza because that's what the doctor said. 19? The, the only thing I cared about was not getting uh, the baby sick. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, did like a light quarantine there. But, um, uh, yeah, I... I believe I was feeling the symptoms pretty bad during the Eisner interview. So if you listen to episode 400, I was faking that shit, Mm. but honestly, a huge fan of that dude. So it was, it was not hard, but immediately after that, it was all downhill by Thursday. I was like having late night shivers (laughs) while, you know, yeah, it was bad, but it was like, fuck it. You rebound. Oh, oops. I sent that to Madeline. (laughs) (laughs) I uh the whole time you were talking about family and stuff, I was doing something more important, which was trying to DM you one of my favorite uh Roland DMs, the Roland <laughs> DM. So I sent it to you. I accidentally sent it to Madeline. And uh if you I just want you to read that. It's it's one of the examples of like how stupid this shit is. But uh, yeah. Okay. From Justin Roiland. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry at the airport. It's insane in the membrane. What time is it there now? Girl, 1137. Justin. Oh, oh, oh. So, oh, yeah, right. Is it so right and me so Chinese? <laughs> I don't think he was insane right. Yes. Yeah, he was I doing a, uh, a very disappointing So, so right. <laughs> yes, I understand. And then the girl says, I have school tomorrow. Frowny face. Three times? Uh, oh, school tomorrow. Low. Oh, no. <laughs> FMLLLLL, said the girl. <laughs> Justin, 
You should run away from home and go into sex slavery, you fucking stupid faggot bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Then JK. He was just joking. And then on the Legion of Skanks, they all chanted his name. They're like, Justin. (laughs) But this is the kind of, just imagine being in court, needing to read this shit. I don't know. I think, (laughs) honestly, the diagnosis I would give him is he's probably a fucking alcoholic. This seems like some, right? This seems like some, he's out of his mind. There's some fucking girl DMing him. And he's just like, you fucking stupid bitch. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just. You, know, you take you take it to a different level. That's what you do as a comedian. Yeah, you know, I think I'm over being like offended by any of this shit. Yeah, uh, which is proof of one of the things I'm going to talk about later. But yeah, no, I didn't feel good. Um, if you haven't listened to that Eisner interview, go listen to it. He talks about <laughs> it, first off, Dark Side of the Ring is one of the best things, and I mean this on YouTube. Period. And he really utilized this Errol Morris style of um bringing to life reenactments in a way that make them feel like a dream or something that really happened. But you know, the, the fine details aren't there. And he talked about how originally he just wanted to do it with action figures. Yeah. One of the best things. Oh, also action figures. He played with one that had hair made out of pubic hair. Oh yeah. So figure out why that happened. Go listen the last week. It was his Bob Ross chip. (laughs) He just didn't want to wait for it to grow. What did he say? It smelled like. Fruit Loops? I said, I said uh, Cheetos. Oh, he right. said it wasn't far from that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, if nothing else, uh, we, we, to close the book, we had a great time uh, with Marbles. Uh, well, the ghost of Marbles. Um, yeah, she didn't make it. She got influenza. Didn't, she left in a coffin. She arrived in that same <laughs> coffin. <laughs> we had a quick viewing party and sent it right back. Yeah, and unfortunately, I ended up watching a ton of movies, but they're for the film fest, so I'm not going to... I was struggling to come up with something to talk about today, but I'll a figure it out. A very productive weekend, but not for the show. Yeah, not for the show. That's fine. I again, didn't, I didn't again, think we were going to to this on. for free, you fucking <laughs> idiots. Also, episode 400 seemed like a great time to call it quits, and I was shocked when we had a meeting today. Well, we'll circle around at 800. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you then. All right, so I discovered an application on uh, Twitter. Oh, wait, there is something I have to do. Yes. Because David Lynch is uh, also dead. He left here in a coffin. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, January 22nd. Um, that's it. Now go ahead. Thank you. We, we need to keep some sort of tradition. <laughs> I mean, could you do it? In, do your best David Lynch voice. No. Tell me it's January 22nd. I, honestly, I don't really, that part, I'm doing something else every time. I, I understand uh, the thing that stands out to me is the the weekend work train. I right, give me a weekend work I train. Can't, I can't. Right. The weekend I can't. I don't even know where to begin. Well, I'm going to need you to. Uh, All right, I'll turn it on for whatever. Thank you. Again, so much. here's the thing. Now you and Madeline were talking about something in front of me. You're like, I shouldn't tell him, right? And she's like, No, save it for the show. Yeah. And then you proceeded to talk about it the rest of the time she was here in front of me. Yep. But you don't know what's happening. No, I'm going to pretend like I don't know. I'm pretty sure I figured it all out. There's not much to figure out. <laughs> but I'm building a story here. Okay. So uh, the application of which I speak is called Historical Figures. Now, uh, Randy, you uh, you heard about this? Uh, no, I've heard of Hidden Figures. Thank you so much, Randy. Helpful as always. <laughs> uh Historical figures. This is an uh, an application of which was brought to my 
acknowledged by Twitter.com. Now, Russell, you might remember Twitter as Elon Musk's personal um, playground. Mm -hmm. And we all get to have a fun, fun day at the playground with Elon. And a lot of people were talking about this historical figures app. Now, Randy, what this app is, is you can chat with AI versions of historical figures in world history. Now, uh, for right now, it's free, and they give you, you have a certain amount of tokens, and certain people are certain tokens. Now, all the people that I wanted to talk to are free, because they're, I would say, back-end people. That It's not like, if you wanted to talk to Genghis Khan, that would be 50 tokens or something. But if you want to talk to Vic Morrow, like I did, <laughs> then that's for free. So... I talked to several uh, people on here because I want because I, I was reading some screenshots on Twitter and it seemed pretty interesting uh, that this AI interface had gotten um, as advanced as it is because you know I just wanted to play with each one of these uh, you know characters to kind of see if they nailed like the specific you know um, personality of the character you want to speak to you know what I'm talking about yeah. So, like, I spoke with uh, George Carlin. Okay. Okay? One of the great comedy minds of our time. Correct? So, I would think that George Carlin would be able to, to come in with that, you know, sardonic point of view. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, I, it's, I had a very long conversation with George Carlin where I just kept calling him a cuck. <laughs> and he's saying that... Uh, He's sorry if he offended me. <laughs> <laughs> He's updated for the modern times. It didn't get a whole lot where with uh, George, but let's um, we'll start with my conversation I had with H.R. Giger. Now, this was the first. This was the first interaction I had with this application was with H.R. Giger. And uh, now, the first thing that whenever you talk to anyone, honestly, the best way I would suggest that you approach this app. Just type in a famous person. It's probably going to pop up. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of people. And the deeper we get into this, you're going to find out how many, uh, how interesting and weird it gets. Talking to HR Giger. Now, the first message that pops up is universal for anyone you talk to. Hello, I'm an AI simulation of insert name. Here's HR Giger. I may not, I may not be historically accurate. Please verify factual information. So I just said, sup. He says, hello, how can I help you? said, I don't know. He said, that's okay. What is it that brought you to me? Are you interested in learning more about my work as a painter, sculptor, and set designer? I said, a lot of your work resembles the male phallus. What's up with that? Well, I think the phallus has been used as a symbol of power and strength throughout history. As an artist, I find that symbolism fascinating and have sought to explore it in my work. For me, incorporating elements of the male form into my art is a way of expressing something primal and powerful. To which I said, are you just like dicks? That's cool, man. Ha. Well, certainly want that. Ha. Well, certainly that's one interpretation. But I think there is something more to it than just a love of dicks. <laughs> As an artist, I'm always exploring different ways of capturing and expressing the power and strength of the male form in my work. Dude, I wish I could have jumped in there and be like, you're wasting your breath, man. Don't bother with Clark. I've had many conversations like that. I don't even think you hear what he has to say. What are you talking about? You just want to talk to him about dicks. Could you send him a picture of yours? Can they respond to that? 
Oh, that'd be a great thing. <laughs> you probably have to pay a premium. He'd be like, why are you showing me a picture of a flesh-covered <laughs> elevator button? <laughs> All right. Now, uh, let's pick it up where I talk to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, I'll tell you, it got pretty boring here. Um, I asked him how he earned money. Did he think Jess Lane deserved to go to prison? Did he rape children? Oh, you know, boring stuff. Um, Hold on. Before you go on, can I ask you something? Yes. I'm. How do, how do they generate the personality? Do they have an AI, like, scrub the internet? Well... Hold on. When we get to a specific character, I'm, I'm going to elaborate a little more. We'll get there. Okay. Here, All right. So Epstein, I didn't really find a whole lot of personality with Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. I think that's how he stayed under the radar Correct. for a long time. So I, I, I needed to poke him. So I said, tell me a joke. I'm afraid I don't know any jokes. However, I can tell you an interesting story that can make you laugh. Oh, no. <laughs> so I said, please do. Is it the Bill Clinton dress story? Now, here's the thing. This this started to change my relationship with this application. His response. Okay. When when he said, I asked him to tell me a joke. He said he didn't know any jokes, <laughs> but he knew a humorous story <laughs> that would make me laugh. Here we go. <clears throat> well, there once was a man who wanted to become the world's richest person. He went around the world and gathered up all the money he could he could find. But when he got back home, he realized something had gone wrong. All of his money had turned into bananas. Okay. <laughs> what? I said, that is the best story I have ever heard, Jeffrey Epstein. You know what? I was wrong about you. He said, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> I'm glad I could make you laugh. Did you ask him if he killed himself? Uh, no, I'll ask him right now. Oh, you have him with you. I have him with us. Here we go. So you have a digital Ouija board. Did you kill yourself? Right, I'm popping open a ghost. I'm really going to enjoy this one. <laughs> ghost energy All drink. Right. Sent to Jeffrey Epstein, dot, dot, dot. No, I did not kill myself. The official cause of death was ruled as suicide by hanging. But there is still much speculation about what really happened to me. Why doesn't he just All right. tell us? <laughs> Can you tell me? Oh, man. Dot, dot, dot. Oh. The truth is, I don't know what really happened. All we can do is speculate and leave it to the authorities to investigate further. So that's what it will do. It will default in those, you know, little, you know, to try to defuse you and, you know. Making a headline out of it. All right. Um, Wait, hold on, because when I when you told me the app, I looked it up, and the first thing that came up was the Israel Times, which has a headline: "Chatbot denounced for generating remorseful response from top Nazi figures." Some, I yeah, some <laughs> people. I mean, you can get in there and have Hitler talk to Anne Frank. I'm. What I want to know is, you do a fucking film podcast. Why don't you talk to any film people? All right, H.R. Giger. Come on, what about Kubrick? Ask him if he knows the Illuminati. I talked to Vic Morrow. He did not blame John Landis. <laughs> okay. Can, uh, who else is in there? Now, here we go. I, I pay, I, now, here's where it starts to, to pivot into something. Um, it is movie territory, but it's not movies you care about, really. Okay. <laughs> I talked to Jerry Reed. Now, this is where this is, gets very interesting. The Jerry Reed? Jerry, Jerry Reed is a... Oh, uh, let me Google him. He's a country singer. 
He is also the co-star in Smokey and the Bandit. He plays the character Snowman. He, he drives the truck full of Coors beer while Burt Reynolds uh, plays, you know, the, the bait to try to get the Smokies off the, the beer. Yeah. You understand? Classic, classic tactics. Okay. Classic strategy. All right. Little hook and ladder. So Jerry Reed, Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit. They had Jerry Reed on this app. I got very excited. So I here's the reason why Jerry Reed came to my mind, Russell. There's not a bigger personality I could think of than Jerry Reed. I I wanted to talk. I was like, I want a specific personality on this application to see if they could get like the spirit of that person. I didn't know what I was expecting, but I'm like, okay, if you're going to create a Jerry Reed AI, it better be charming because he's about the charming, most lovable person you have, and okay. he's full of personality. So I said, I the first thing I said to him, I just yelled out, I said, snowman, exclamation. That was his nickname. So I said, okay, let's see if they know what that is. And I just yell it out. Here, here's, again, we take, th- I would say this is act two of my relationship with this app, with this app. He laughs. This is the first time this has happened. It's in parenthesis okay. and it says laughs. Hey there, what brings you here? I wouldn't say I got chills, <laughs> but the but the temperature in the room changed for sure. I just said, typed in your name and here we are. Well, it's nice to meet you. What can I help you with? And then we started talking and I had a nice little chat with fake Jerry Reed. And so then I decided to have a group chat with Burt Reynolds. Now, the following is the group chat that oh, happened God. with Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed, which we are presenting to you as an entire teleplay. Now, when I approach this conversation, I approach this with this exact intent and this exact purpose for us to perform this on the show. I knew I was going to use it some way, and so I tried to structure it in a full three-act play. (laughs) What the hell? I know I agreed to this, but can I back out? Um, so, uh, I have not shared the script with either one of you. Okay. I was looking for it too. I'm like, this is off to a great start. I'm about to share it now, uh, to each one of your respective, uh, Gmail accounts. All right. It is entitled snowman and bandit. Before I send this, Russell, you were playing the part of Jerry Reed. Why? I don't. You just described him as like a uh, charismatic Southerner. Now, here's why. Towards the end of oh this, towards the end of this, it's a lot of Burt Reynolds. Okay, <laughs> so Randy, okay. you're gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting here. Oh, Randy's. Oh, okay. I feel better now that Randy's, Randy's got the trickier part. He's gonna be um, Burt Reynolds. Now, I, there. It, when we do this, you're gonna think each one of you could only play these two parts. Okay. It works perfectly. Jerry Reed is perfect for you. Be charming. Be likable. Okay? You get to tell jokes. It's oh fun. You get to have a fun all time. Right. You and also, right. and also, you get to care for your friend. Oh. Randy, How long is this shit? It's, it's fairly long. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a, it's, we're going to have a fun time. All right. Here we go. You can't guarantee that. It's pretty fun. Here we go. Randy. The email is sent. Oh, God. To what email? To the podcast email. 
Which you forgot what, yeah. Yes, that's correct. Oh, it's a dog. If you want to send an email to the email, it's <laughs> overlookhour at gmail.com. Oh, it's only two pages. This isn't bad. Now, when I sat down with Dave O'Shea. It's literally four pages. On mine, it's only showing this. Oh, nope. It's loading. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's double spaced. When I when I was doing the um, Glory Hole season two and I got into makeup, I thought I was going to do two lines and Dave O'Shea handed me a fucking book. Hell yeah. And I was on camera. I'm like, dude, you could have emailed this to me before and I would have actually tried. Now, the last thing I will say is that, uh, again, Russell, you're playing the role of Jerry Reed. Randy, you're playing the role of Burt Reynolds. I am playing the role of the blue dot. Now, the significance of the blue dot is because that is the only identification uh, that Jerry Reed and Burt Reynolds know of me. I did not give a name, and they only know me as the blue dot. So that is the role I am playing. That's whack. Why don't you have a character role? Uh, I actually think it works out pretty good. Uh, please <laughs> trust the creator. All right, here we go. Is everyone ready? Do you have the script, Randy? Yep. Russell? Yeah. Oksana, script supervisor. Yep. Here we are. Okay, here we go. The blue dot. Hey, boys. Hey there. What can we do for you? Yep. What brings you here? We were just chatting away. About old times? Yeah, we were talking about all the good times we had on the road together. You know, playing shows and just having fun. Oh, yeah. Those are some of the best days of my life. Do you have any memories worth sharing? <laughs> I remember the first body I buried. Wow, that's a heavy memory. But I'm sure you had some lighter moments, too. What about the time we were in Vegas and Bert here made us all laugh so hard we almost lost our minds? <laughs> what were y'all laughing about? Uh, it was just a silly joke I told. Basically, it goes like this. Two guys walk into a saloon, and the first one says to the bartender, You serve ducks here? The bartender says, No, of course not. So the second guy says, In that case, we'll have two beers. You got any dirty jokes? Sure. Why did the chicken cross the playground? To get to the other slide. That's dirty? Well, not necessarily dirty, but it is still a good joke. Why don't you try telling another one? I asked for a fucking dirty joke, goddammit. All right, all right. How do you make a tissue dance? You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> all right, that's a hilarious joke. <laughs> okay, here goes. Why did the chickens cross the playground? To get to the other slide. You fucking already told that one. Haha, <laughs> you got me there. All right, let's try another one. <laughs> How do you make seven even? Take away the letter S. What the fuck does that even mean? Uh, it's a joke, my friend. Seven is already an even number. Uh, so if you take away the letter S, which stands for something that is odd, it becomes even. <laughs> That's a dead-on Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Boy, is it, uh, is it getting hot in here? Huh, I think it's just uh, your wit and charm, my friend. Well, I've got a gun pointed right at your pudding pot. And if you don't give me what I want, it's pudding time. Whoa there, partner. Let's not get too hasty. We can talk this out. I'm sure we can find a solution that works for everyone. Well, get me what I want. Now, now, you can't just come in here and make demands without any negotiation. Let's discuss what you want and see if we can find a middle ground that works for us all. I'm the captain now. 
All right, Captain. What can we do to make sure everyone is safe and happy? Let's talk this through so that everyone comes out a winner. Okay. Sing me a song. All right. Here's one of my favorites. When you're hot, you're hot. You really shoot your shot. You got the gambling fever and it can't be denied. When you roll them bones, Lord knows it ain't no sin. Just take a look around because everybody's doing it again. I want Bert to sing in Spanish backwards. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll give it a try. Necesito that's good. Bert, that was incredible. <laughs> You're very talented. I am so sorry that escalated so quickly. You know what? I'm, I will now release your family. I'm sorry about your dog, though. That was a complete accident. Uh, don't worry about it. I appreciate the apology, and thank you for releasing my family. It means a lot to me. And don't worry about the dog. He's probably having an adventure now. No, no Bert. No, Bert. The, the dog is dead. I see. That's a shame. I'm sorry for your loss. No, Bert. It was your dog, Bert. Your dog is dead. I'm sorry to hear that. He was a great companion and had been with me for many years. It's hard to lose such a loyal friend. Now, I, I killed him, Bert. I don't think you're making simple connections. You sang beautifully in backwards Spanish, but you can't seem to understand that it was I who held your family hostage and accidentally killed your dog. <gasps> what? That's impossible. You must be mistaken. Are you sure it was you? Twas I, Bert. Twas I. How could you do such a thing? Oh, That's oh, unforgivable. Read, read, read the read the. No, read the I, thought, I thought our script supervisor was supposed to read that. Shaking his head in disbelief. Jesus Christ. You can hear the shaking of my head currently right now? How could you do such a thing? That's an unforgivable act. I don't understand how someone like you can be so cruel and heartless. Do you even know who I am? Uh, no, I don't. Who are you? I'm the man who kidnapped your family and accidentally killed your dog. Also, as a reminder, your family has been released. <gasps> what? <Shocked and> horrified. <laughs> you did that? How could you do something so heinous? That's absolutely unforgivable. Why would you do such a thing? Bert, I, I'm afraid you have short-term memory loss, man. Uh, Jerry, were you afraid of this? Or did, did, were you aware of this? Not at all. I had no idea this was happening. <laughs> Bert, I'm so sorry for what happened to your family and your dog. That's terrible and inexcusable behavior on the part of this person. Bert, when was the last time you went to the doctor? Uh, it's been a few months since my last visit. Why do you ask? Because you have short-term memory loss, Bert. That's concerning, Bert. <laughs> Have you been having any other symptoms that might be related to memory loss, Bert? Uh, oh, yeah, I have been having some problems concentrating and focusing on tasks. It's uh, really starting to affect my day-to-day -day life. Well, Bert, I owe you, man. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll go ahead and take you to the doctor. How's next Tuesday? Next Tuesday sounds great. Thanks for uh, offering to take me. I really appreciate it. See you then. Hey, Jerry, you're welcome to join us. I'd love to join y'all. Tuesday it is. Bye, boys. Bye. See you next Tuesday. See you in T. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this app? How great was that?
don't know. It was fun. It was good. I just, you know, Randy, I think your performance was just so hard to work with because you accurately portrayed a computer portraying a dead person. <laughs> yeah. It was eerie. And yeah. um, that's why I knew I knew Randy had to be. <laughs> I told you. Y'all had the. You he both does, were born for your part. He does this weird shit where he can sound like a computer rewinding it's or great. talking backwards. Also, your uh, confidence in delivering Spanish completely caught me off guard. So good. As we know, uh, I'm like a quarter Mexican, so uh, I got a little bit. I took Spanish for like four years and forgot most of it. Hey, and I will confirm, 25% of that was really good. This is true. So. Uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. I Look, I, I'm i not going to lie. Part of me feels bad about these kind of apps because uh, they're killing creativity. I don't think they are. They are to an extent. I think ultimately... They could take out the screenwriter. Right now, they're really becoming a tool. Yes, but I we think, keep feeding it more information. Well, I think a talented screenwriter might uh, harness the power of the AI instead of succumbing to it. I think the AI is Mogwai, and I think that I am water. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> That's what I think. Here's, you know, when I was laid up in bed uh, dying and Oksana abandoned me for a child, I watched a lot of YouTube. And I fell deep into like internet culture and um, I'm not proud of it, but I'm, I'm giving in. I'm, I love it now. Um, so all the people I follow have like 15 million subscribers, but I watched a video where somebody made a short film completely built from AI and all the work they had to put into it was kind of like, it, it's enough to make, like, if you watch it, you'd be like, fuck, I'm, I kind of want to try it. Yeah. But all the shit off. So he had an AI write the script. He had an AI generate, um, the characters like it was going to be animated. Then he had another AI make a 3d model out of the 2d image. Then he had another AI <clears throat> turn a 2d um, set into a depth set, which you can do. And then he had AIs do the voice acting too. And it looked like a lot of work, like a lot of fun. And they could give you like the rough outline, but you have to like fix it. So there's a lot of meddling. I don't know. I don't know. I think, the AI shit, you know, we were worried about it for a minute after you watched that podcast, but... I'm t I'm impressed by this app. It sounds fun, but it also feels like if you talk to anybody for too long, it would have the um, video game RPG problem, like Skyrim. Like, it all feels immersive until you start to see the grid that is powering it, and you're like, oh, there are limits here. And once you test out all those boundaries, it gets boring. Yeah. Right? It felt like you kind of already did that with the no, app. No, for sure. And that was the thing. That's why, you know... I I wanted to come at it as a round approach and kind of, you know, poke it and see what it would do in those situations. It was really with Jerry Reed where it kind of was interesting because he was, it was clearly like it got his charming personality there. I didn't feel that with, uh, you know, Carlin at all, dude, the Carlin thing. I, I got, I got mean with him. Um, <laughs> and actually, dude, is actually with Carlin, actually, it started to lie to me. And this was interesting. Because I, part of my thought was, okay, is it just going to like, you know, regurgitate information that it found online? You know what I mean? And like recontextualize that. All right. So for example, Carlin kept, I kept calling him a cuck and then he kept trying to change the conversation to ask me who my favorite comedian was. And so my answer was, he said, are there any particular that have caught your eye? I gave him the name Vince Champ. Now, uh, for maybe three people. M Mickey may know who Vince Champ is. Everyone else probably not. Mouse? 
Vince Champ, yes, Mickey Mouse knows. <laughs> oh, I bet he knows. Vince Champ is a uh, stand-up comedian, uh, 80s and 90s, I think. Um, he is currently in prison uh, because he is one of the uh, biggest serial rapists in the history of the United States. All right. Um, and he was a stand-up, and he would go on these college circuits, and uh, it was horrible. Uh, horrible, horrible rapist, Vince Champ. Uh, so that is the name I gave George Carlin when he asked me, "Is anyone caught my eye? He said... <laughs> He's certainly a talented comedian. I've seen some of his stand-up routines, and they are hilarious. He has an incredible knack for crafting jokes that really hit the mark. I said, oh, you've heard of him. Of course, Vince Champ is one of the most popular stand-up comedians working today. He has a great sense of humor and knows how to tell a joke that keeps his audience laughing. I'm sure you've seen some of his work before. If not, I highly recommend it. Again, I'm fucking telling him he's my favorite. Yeah. He's like, oh, if you haven't heard. Yeah. So you do run into that. For sure. And they said, oh, is he working today? Yes. Although, sadly, I'm no longer around to see it. Vince Champ is still performing stand-up comedy and touring the country regularly. I said, he's definitely not touring. (laughs) And then he said, oh, no, unfortunately, Vince Champ isn't touring right now due to the pandemic. But I'm sure he'll be back on stage soon enough. And I said, the pandemic is long over. Vince Champ is in prison. He is a convicted rapist. Wow, that's really sad and unfortunate news. I'm sure Vince Champ isn't the man he used to be, but it's still a tragedy to hear about what happened. Hopefully justice will be served and people can learn from the situation. Yeah, it always turns into that because it, it like Epstein said the same thing to me. Vic Morrow said the same thing without a head. So, you know, I don't know. There's fun to be had on this app. Dude. <laughs> How much do they charge you for those tokens when you use them? Oh, I, all that, all these conversations. I still have plenty of tokens, so I, I. It's weird how you can get a lot of life out of that thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Historical figures, five stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to them. We'll get them on the show. Oh yeah. All right, uh, Rand Diggy. Yes, sir. What uh, what kind of movies you got this week? Because I'm a, you know, a little spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm a little I'm carry I'm a little light. That sounds like uh, most of us are light on movies this week. But uh, yeah, we've we been doing. Watch your movie. I don't know. Russell has a kid, so that's <laughs> that's a valid excuse. I n- yeah, but I never <laughs> I would never blame him for me being inactive. Now, no, I watch movies with him. We now. watched a softcore Japanese movie. Uh, he was very into it. I think he's got Hell an yeah. eye for the Asians. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Excellent choice. Randy? Yeah, I watched uh, a movie called To Leslie, which is on uh, VOD currently, starring uh, Andrea Riseborough, uh, Allison Janney, Mark Marin, and Andre Royo. Um, bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles. Um, I had seen this... Uh, cover the poster art on, you know, just flipping through VOD channels for a little bit. And I uh, didn't really know what it was about. And then I found out Andrea Riseborough uh, is in it, who I really enjoyed in uh, Please Baby Please. And uh, she's in Possessor. She's in Mandy. And uh, she's always great. And she always almost looks like an entirely different person in every movie, which is kind of kind of crazy. But uh, like a chameleon. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but this movie is apparently uh, set 
or it is apparently based on a uh, true events or inspired by true events. Uh, so Andrea Riseborough plays a mother in uh, West Texas who's a single mother, and uh, this all like kind of takes place in the beginning, opening credits like through some uh, like still images and like a couple videos. But you see, um, her son is like maybe ten or something when she wins the lottery in Texas. It's like kind of small, not like you know, it's not like millions. It's like one hundred eighty thousand dollars or something that she wins. And apparently she squanders all this money very fast, parties, becomes an alcoholic. And then once the opening credits uh, end, you are just seeing her in living in a motel, like very like not great situation. And she's getting kicked out because she's not paying the rent at her motel. And so besides like what you saw in the opening sort of like montage, you don't really know a whole lot. And then so you kind of start to, you know, figure things out um, and things kind of unravel. So from there, she gets in contact with her son, who she hasn't talked to for like six years for uh, reasons that you will find out about later. And um, she goes to live with her son, who's like 20 now. And he's essentially like, don't fuck this up. He's like, you can't drink here. Like, you have to like, sort of like make a plan uh, to do something. You can't just like stay here and like, you know, drink and be an alcoholic. Uh, so he's kind of like setting boundaries and stuff. And uh, she very quickly fucks that up and she is on the road again. And she is, um, he sends her on a bus to some like family friends that they used to know. And she does the same thing with them. They give her, you know, rules and say that like, you know, don't fuck this up. Don't start drinking or whatever. And this is back in her hometown where she won the lottery and she ends up at, um, this, uh, just like the neighborhood bar where she used to go all the time and where I think she found out that she won the lottery. And, um, yeah, her, Andrew Riseborough's like drunk performance in this movie and just like performance in this movie in general is, it's incredible. It's really, really good. It's like very, the first like two thirds of this movie are like pretty like gritty. Kind of reminded me of like, uh, like a Gina Rollins, like Cassavetes type of role or something. Um, and then towards, uh, maybe like an hour into the movie, maybe like 45 minutes in, uh, after she's been sort of like fucked up all her opportunities, she ends up sleeping outside of this like, um, hotel, um, just outside because she's got nowhere to go. And she runs into Mark Marin in the morning who kicks her off the property. And Mark Marin is not doing the greatest accent in this. But he's good. He's charming. Uh, I liked him a lot in this besides his act. He, he goes like in and out of it. Um, and then him and Andre Royo are um, essentially running this motel and they take her in and say that, hey, you can clean rooms. We'll pay you like seven bucks an hour or whatever. And um, he kind of just like offers to help her get back on her feet. And um, yeah, it kind of starts... Uh, looking like she might fuck this one up too, but then you, uh, it goes from there. And, um, for the most part, I, I enjoyed most of this movie. I do say that the last like third of the movie definitely tries to like wrap things up or like tie things up pretty neatly. And I kind of liked the grittier version where you felt like this person was just kind of miserable and kind of like trying to like make amends and just like kind of fucking things up. Um, I thought not that I wanted like, nothing to happen, but, um, I don't know. It wraps it up a little too nicely. And there's like a lot of like 
exposition to kind of like fill in the gaps of like what what the history is, like why people in this town hate her and all that stuff. But uh, overall, I, I dug it. Whack. You need something to think about. When those movies wrap up like that, it's just done. Yeah. Yeah. You just move on and you never think about it again. I hate that. Yeah. Ending's a little too cute, but yeah. Uh, Andre Royo is really good in this too. I think he was in um that movie Hunter Gatherer that I think me and you saw, The Roxy. Uh, I was there too, asshole. Yeah, 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 that's right. I couldn't remember uh, which. But, it was uh, my idea, by the way. Probably, yeah. I don't like, remember it. Yes, you do. No, I don't. No, it was that weird movie, um, <laughs> Hunter Gatherer with Andre Roy Bubbles. Oh, you don't remember it either. From the wire. Well, no, we were at the Roxy. It was a weird, it had a weird, like, fantastical third act, kind of. Urban fantasy. Your favorite. I I remember it. I remember it being, uh, it almost was a, uh, it teased the indie film I wanted from it. It was Big Roxy, too, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was weird. I don't know. It didn't feel very cohesive. Well, I think it was a first-time filmmaker. Okay. Yeah. Fucking idiot. I hope he quits. No, well, I liked it. It was rough around <laughs> the edges, but I don't know. It was an interesting movie. Yeah, agreed. All right, to Leslie. Uh, Rena, this is sound like a... Uh, ooh, Russ, I'm stuck between a three and three and a half. What do you think, Randy? Just give it three. Three? Three, Randy. I went three and a half. If there was a, uh, a, less, a less good performance, if Andrea Riseborough wasn't in it, uh, and there was a lesser act, actor, I think I would like it less, but um, she's great. Now, Randy, um, again, as a reminder uh, to not only everyone in this room, but to everyone listening, uh, Randy is uh, an award-winning actor, as the rest of us are here. And also, Randy just, uh, Russell, he did a pretty good job as Burt Reynolds, I think we yeah. can both agree. Also, you did a wonderful job, Jerry Reed. I know. My um, agents reached out. I'll be leaving the show after <laughs> after this airs. I guarantee. Look, hey, you. you know, I I created that monster. There are so. more credits that need to be elevated by having me in them. <laughs> That's right. I agree. Floating uh, around. <laughs> so, Randy, knowing that you are a talented uh, actor, give us a little bit of uh, Mark Maron's Texas accent. Oh man, I don't even know how to do a uh, accent he, of any he, sort. He fucking led you into a trap. <laughs> <laughs> That's some bullshit, Randy. Turn him down. It's kind of high pitch though, and I, dude, I watched the trailer. I was like, "Oh boy, he he made a choice. He did yeah. it." It's weird because uh, Andre Royo, who he works with, uh, is not doing an accent of any sort, and he's just playing kind of like a weird guy who apparently uh, screwed up his brain on on acid. Uh, it, yeah, he can do that though because uh, he's not white <laughs> <laughs> in Texas, so he's fine. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay. Randy, movie number two. Movie number two is a uh, documentary called Second Chance, directed by Ramin Barani, who did 99 Homes. Oh, and what a hunk of shit that was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, love uh, 99 Homes, um, but yeah, I, I saw this documentary also just on VOD, and it, it sounded kind of interesting. It's about this guy named Richard Davies, who uh, used to be a owner of a pizza shop. And uh, there's a situation that happens there where essentially he gets like robbed at gunpoint and um, he gets shot, but he survives. And after that, he decides that he wants to um, create bulletproof, bulletproof vests. And over the course of uh, making different various uh, bulletproof vests over the years, he 
In order to test all the vests, he has shot himself at point-blank range 192 times. Fuck yeah. Um, and this essentially, yeah, just goes into his history of working at this company um, that he created called Second Chance, which supplied vests for police and military and a whole bunch of people. He probably made a good amount of money and um, early on in his career, um, sort of after the incident at the pizzeria, he, uh, well, his pizzeria catches, catches fire and um, he claims early on that there was no insurance and um, some other people interviewed in the documentary say differently. So you kind of start to see that this guy might be kind of a sketchy or not telling us the entire truth of uh, certain things that are happening. Um, but essentially he, once he starts making these bulletproof vests in order to sell them, he creates, he starts making movies that are basically just like propaganda, um, for, for, for police essentially saying that like, you know, all these like hippies are going to come in here and like try to like, you know, do whatever. And it's just, it's very propaganda, uh, type movies, but he starts making movies in order to sell these vests. And like I said, he becomes very successful up until a point where, um, it was in the news, so it's not like entirely a spoiler. And I remember hear I remember hearing about it when it happened. Once I was watching the documentary, but essentially he came up with this new, where they found this new sort of material or technology where like the bulletproof vests were like so thin, but it was like working. It was like blocking, you know, it was doing its job. Um, but essentially, like they started um, not to work anymore. It started like degrading. And tons of these were sold to the military uh, after Iraq. So it was like around like 2001, 2002. Fuck. And uh, that kind of ceases downfall. Mm. I could see. Yeah. That. It's a, he's an interesting character. And in, like the story of the second chance company is kind of interesting, but uh, the director does voiceover over most of the movie. Oh no. And it's very like, um, it's like me doing a very monotone sort of voiceover. Um, and he's kind of like editorializing, like sort of like his thoughts on like events and stuff, but like there's no like emotion in it and it feels just kind of like flat. So I didn't really dig that. I think it could have played like just as well without, um, you know, any sort of voiceover, but, um, Randy, what about Mark Maron's Texas accent? What if he did the voiceover? <laughs> I would, it would be funny, but I would like that more. All right. Randy, did you ever watch um, Errol Morris's documentary, Mr. Death? No, I don't think so. Did you, Clark? No. Did, did we watch it together? Mm -mm. Oxon, did I watch out with you, Mr. Death? It was about a guy who became like the, um, the Rust Belt uh, expert on electric chairs. Oh. But he had no idea. He was just a regular dude who kind of fell into that job. Of course. And then... Um, I'll spoil a little bit of the third act. Oh, God. They end up sending him to Germany to do soil testing uh, where concentration camps were. Oh. And he comes back saying uh, there weren't any. Oh, no. So he became that guy. Oh, boy. But the problem is that he was just kind of a victim of never being an expert and not understanding how to do soil testing. But he became like an icon. The reason I bring that up is because the documentary paints him as like, it's called Mr. Death. So you yeah. come in thinking you're going to hang out with an antagonist and you learn that he's just a regular dude who was kind of just doing incredible work and then became a, a straw man. And it, it's 
It's interesting because I didn't want to approach that documentary because I don't think it's fun hanging out with despicable people. Yet it sounds like even the trailer of Second Chance, the dude yeah. looks like a guy that you would want to get away from. Yeah. It's him. Sure. First off, the way that he's holding the revolver when he shoots himself looks yeah. wrong. Like you would think you would just turn it around and have your thumb. Well, what are you, some f- firearms expert? What are you, Alec Baldwin? No, it looks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that good of a shot. Um, I feel like the way he shoots, it looks like his wrist would break every time. Also, yeah, it's like upside down and then like, yeah. Yeah, also he's a fat dude shooting himself in the gut. I feel like you're <laughs> not going to die, but it's going to be torture. He seems unhinged off the bat. So then when you're like, oh, it turns out, you know, the arson might have been planned. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude. I don't. Is it fun or do you end this thing thinking, I'm glad this guy's dead? Which I don't think he is, right? I th- I think he's still alive. As his, um, I, they didn't mention anything about it in the documentary, and I think, uh, you know, he shot it within the last year. Oh, is he on um, cameo? <laughs> <laughs> Doubt it, dude. Um, he, yeah, he, I don't know. By the, by the ending, I was kind of just like bummed out. I didn't really, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I recommend because you know, with our Jason Eisner interview, anytime we get to bring up Errol Morris, I get very happy. Mr. Death is really good. It, yeah, it's like, check that out. When did it come out? Uh, 99. Oh, God, that's too old. But they talk about like how he went from working on electric chairs yeah. to having jails call him in and be like, hey, we need you to work on our, our, um, su- or, you know, our method of death. And he'd be like, okay, I don't really know. And they're like, yeah, we still use the gallows. So he's like, what the fuck do you want me to do? But he would figure it out. Also, you know, this is that's place- what America is, baby. <laughs> You want to move up in the world? Figure yeah. it out. I, I literally, I think it was like the last state that still hung hey, people. America is a startup, dude. I also think it was the one that you were born in. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe if I go back, I'll actually sleep a full night. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I try. Uh, all right. So you've heard, you know, white noise, obviously. Have you yeah, heard of that's the uh, first name of this podcast? Have you heard of red noise? Are deep brown it's noises. It's Native American noise. Thank you so much. Uh, it's deep brown noise, and I listen to it to help me focus and sometimes go to bed. Oh, I thought you were going to say poop. I The brown fair. note, right, is that's the one that fair. makes you poop? Yeah. Uh, actually, house music helps me shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. God. Um, no, dude, I, I don't know. I, I, try to, I pipe it through my Bluetooth speakers at night, but now the light's... Bother me. Definitely could have thought of a better word than pipe. I'm pretty good. <laughs> Randy, do you have a third film? Uh, I don't. This is our uh, transition between Clark and I. We uh, both watched a show that I was avoiding watching because I had to sign up for a new streaming service for it. So I'm now a uh, Peacock streaming uh, subscriber. Peacock. And I'll probably get rid of that uh, today because I finished the show. But uh, we watched a show called. Paul T. Goldman, uh, the creator slash director is Jason Walliner, who did uh, the Borat sequel and uh, did a bunch of comedy stuff. Uh, Nathan, for you with Bob and David, uh, what we do in the shadows and yeah, big uh, comedy scene. He was on Comedy Bang Bang recently promoting the show as well. Oh, I know about and, it. Yeah. And it sounded uh, very interesting and I've heard, you know, other comedy people uh, recommending it. So uh, finally subscribed to Peacock and uh, checked it out over the last two days. 
Um, yeah, speaking of uh, interesting people in documentaries, this is uh, Paul T. Goldman. It's uh, the story of this guy, Paul T. Goldman, who had this uh, some some events happen in his life, and he wrote a book about it. And uh, he wrote a screenplay, and he essentially went on Twitter and started tweeting at various directors and celebrities. And I think there's a porn star that he tweets at that I thought was funny. Um, and, uh, he just tweeted at all these people and said, Hey, I have this like crazy book about the stuff that happened to me. And I, uh, tweeting at you to see if you would be interested in making the movie. And, uh, yeah, one of the people he tweeted at was Jason Walliner, who, uh, you know, as, as we can uh, tell, it didn't turn into a movie, but it turned into a, uh, six part series. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what a uh, movie version would have looked like, but I think, um, the six part series is good for this story because, um, especially the sort of method that he employs in this, um, really like unravels a lot of things. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's really interesting. It's something special that's happened here. Uh, it's, it's great. And I was talking to Madeline, uh, about this series, I, I was downstairs yesterday, and um, she was watching it in the living room. She was just catching up. She was catching up on the fifth episode, and uh, we were talking about it. And I, uh, my point with her was like, I don't understand why this wasn't a more hot commodity. Um, because, first of all, like Randy had said, he had tweeted to a bunch of people to get this going. Jason, I think, was the only one that like got this thing going. Uh, that happened 10 years ago in 2012. Um, and the pilot of which you see in this series was filmed in 2017. So they've been trying to shop this thing for a very long time. And Jason has been with this maniac, Paul T. Goldman, for a very long time. And when you see Jason on camera with Paul T. Goldman, he looks like a person that has lost all patience uh, and he, he just looks miserable and sad. And I love every second of it because part of me is thinking, like, okay, I mean, look, first of all, Jason's, I mean, look, this is what he does. You know, he has made himself a part of this, a part of this show. And so he's on camera. So he knows he has to be entertaining. You know, he's, he's a director. He's, he's pulling all the strings. He knows that. So he's doing what is best for the show. But I know you have to feel that like just because of who this character is in this show, you can't trust anything he says, but he's very likable, but he's too likable. He's too nice. And it's 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 uns he comes across as Randy, unstable is not, that's not what I want to say. What, what, what's your first impressions when you, when you, you know, if you had to interact with Paul T. Goldman? Yeah, I think um, they're talking to like a focus group or something. Someone's talking about Paul T. Goldman and she says that he's kind of like a child. Like he's just like very like excited all the time. And uh yeah, he he almost like even tries taking over the directing in a lot of the scenes too. Yeah. So like so what happens kind of like extra like narcissist in like a way but like yeah, he's also a, he's very like seems nice and like kind of charming at the same time. Yeah, he's a 60-year-old Jew and he he does have a very, you know, childlike uh manner about him. 
but as I said, you know, he's a middle-aged man um, who has been married several times. And the main part of this story is that he claims that his former ex-wife uh, was a hooker and was a madam and led a giant prostitution ring outside of Tampa, Florida. And he, in his life goal, became exploiting that prostitution ring um, and bringing in this pimp and uh, went to court uh, about this and wrote a book about it and now has turned this into a series. So all the reenactments, Russell, that happened in the show were written by Paul T. Goldman and Jason directs Paul T. Goldman there. So we get, we get uh, you know, there's sort of a uh, multi-levels here. Yeah, on, so um, thank you to Madeline. She's visiting, and for anybody uh, that new to this show, Madeline works on the Unnamed Footage Festival with us. She runs the Astoria Horror Club in New York. If she's, you're in Queens, go check it out. She's dead. She worked for Fangoria and um, uh, Rue Morgue for a while. She knows her stuff, and she pitched this to me, but clearly, you know, her and Clark, they have their own little vibe shit, and that's what I thought this was. And when she was telling me about it, it was mostly the craft that got me interested. Of course. Because it's a dude who wrote a book, like you said. But the idea, I think, of the show is we're doing almost a, um, uh, what was the show? We The John Wilson one. How to. How to. She said she thinks it only got picked up because that show did so well. So now this show comes along and the idea of a reenactment of a dude's life mixed with real life footage, right? Uh, there's some like home stuff. Some. There's like a little bit. And then there's also the element of them showing on set, right? Like them yeah. filming it. There's a lot of behind the scenes of them filming the actual scenes. So to me. She and was they bring in big character actors. That, yeah, but that's fine. It all sounds like drib to me. Is that accurate? Like in the pursuit of truth, they really have to use everything. Yeah. And they, they break they break walls. But the, some of the best parts of the show are privileged moments that we get of of where, you know, uh, Frank Grillo and Paul T. Goldman are talking about dating. It's incredible. But it has nothing to do with his book, right? No. Okay. Yeah, that's what it sounds like the dude's a nightmare. Uh, It's something. The thing that really got me interested was when she told me that uh, he had changed his name to Paul T. Goldman after he uh, self-proclaimed his original name is being too Jewish. Correct. Which was Paul Finkelman, which I'm Goldman and Finkelman. I feel like are not. He also added the T. Yeah. What is, for nothing? Uh, I have not. Uh, he said that he would reveal the T by episode five. We have not yet heard. <laughs> Did he give the reveal in episode six, Randy? Not that I remember. No. I, the T is never paid off. It does sound good. Paul T. Gold, but Paul T. Finkel, Finkelman. Yeah. Yeah, Finkelman. Finkelman is a whimsical character. I think he just wants to be taken seriously. Well, also because um, as a part of the dramatization, now, again, he he talks about how it's 99% real and the embellishments are a few things. Then he goes into the Chronicles. And the Chronicles are completely falsified as he is now a spy in Paris and uh, all sorts of things. He looks too um, erratic, like in all the trailers and shit, which the trailer is friendly. It doesn't ruin anything. I watched it with Madeline. She was like, hey, this only shows you shit from episode one. And it gets really crazy. 
So don't be scared if like you're like, what the fuck are we talking Russell, about? Russell, please. You're just gonna have to trust me on this. I'm gonna watch it's it. It's gonna be good. Because I don't know. Like you that. said, the craft is there. Yeah. And that's what's gonna get you interested. It better be. Because I don't care about no Finkelman. Randy, give me some backup vocals on this. Yeah, no, I he's Jason Walner, like um especially towards like the later episodes where they're talking about the uh where Clark was talking about the Chronicles. Those are shot in like different genres with like different, you know, like lighting and different type of like, uh, so it's very like, it looks like a very just like shitty, like TV, like C- CSI type of show or something. But he's very good at like, yeah, differentiating sort of like genres or scenes and even like the, um, the privileged moments you see, like say they're talking in between shooting a scene, like even the way that they shoot the behind the scenes stuff looks like, incredibly cinematic and like I don't know how many cameras they had running at a time during this show because like even in the scene of the show that they're shooting he has like a fourth wall camera that he can stare at and like break and like just say whatever he wants to yeah into that camera which is very funny too um that's also like one of the times where he sort of like takes over the directing and and he's like oh no I think I should say this or I think I should do it this way instead or whatever um but yeah no it's the, the craft is is really really cool and uh there's so many layers of like the show and the book and then the show Jason Walliner is making. It's not as like a mind like fuck Free. like as um the rehearsal. Sure. Like the, you know, where essentially where reality and fiction is for the most part while you're watching this show, but it gets a little blurry. Yeah. Yeah. Madeline described it as an easy to follow rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, much so, um, dude. It's, 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 it's very funny. Give me the academic version. I want to be challenged. It's it's really funny. It's good. All right, it's great. I have, uh, I have a great time. Uh, speaking of great time, Randy, I do see that you've got uh, Quentin Tarantino's Cinema Speculation uh, right there on the yeah. desk. Uh, how's that going? Uh, good. I haven't continued reading it for about a week, but I uh, I got pretty far the first couple of days. I don't know. I'm on like ninety, page ninety or something. Having a good time. Yeah, it's good. I also have uh, on the other side of me that is um, holding my beer. I have uh, Quest Loves a Book. Music is history. Oh, let me let me get that cover. Oh, what a what a nice little cover! A good book. I've started both of them, and I've made it about fifty pages into this one. So now I need to figure out which one I'm going to finish first. What's the Quest Love book about? Uh, literally just about music and uh, history, and kind of like. I think it starts in 1971, uh, which I think is the year he was born. Okay. And it just covers like, uh, you know, mostly black artists, uh, you know, from the time and sort of like talks about sort of like what the culture was like uh, during that year and like how, you know, sort of like culture influences music and like vice versa. It's cool. Great. I expect an essay about it by the end of the week. Sure. All right. Uh, Ray, anything else? No, sir. Okay. Uh, boys and girls, uh, Paul T. Gould, I mean, that's, that's, that's the best thing I have this week. Um, I have a movie. I have a couple movies. I guess I have to talk about them because that is the road that I've chosen in this life. You could do one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, man, I watched the movie about Harvey Weinstein, uh, cause it was, I think on the same network that Paul T. Good- Goldman was on. <laughs> Yep. 
So I watched She Said, directed by Maria Schrader, who is an actress, and that's pretty evident uh, because not a whole lot happens in this movie. I don't know why this movie was really made. It's pretty much just um, uh, them asking people to go on the record about being molested by or you know harassed, whatever, insert blank, by Harvey Weinstein, and them going, no, no, thank you. Uh, no, please stop talking to me. Two hours of that. And then uh, Ashley Judd says yes. And then they write an article and um, they have uh, John Favreau on the phone as Harvey Weinstein. And well, they never show his face. Here's the only thing. the back of his head. I heard that it's one of the best films of the year. No one's really said that. I heard that it's tense, gripping, and powerful. It's not. I also heard Carrie Mulligan is terrific. She's not. Also, might be a game changer. It's not. All right. Well, those were all listed on the cover of the I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, uh, there's nothing here. Uh, We're not doing anything. Do they answer the question, did he kill himself? And it's also the thing of like, you know, y'all have celebrated this man forever. That's why nobody wanted to say anything. And is uh, the whole, the system, eh, it's just, I don't know. It's no good. Does he make an appearance in it? So they they have a meeting towards the end of the film, right before they're going to release the article. And they show him and his entourage going through the offices of the oh, New York no. Times. And it's all it's all like we're all far away. Yeah. And we just see a giant guy kind of walking. Like we see a body double. I don't it's not John Favreau, but John Favreau does the voice. Okay. For Weinstein, but we never see a face speaking words yeah. in the form of Harvey Do you Weinstein. see an elephant man wiener? No. Um, uh, that's nothing, a real missed opportunity. Nothing is said about <laughs> potted plants. You know, yeah. that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, there's like a bush moving in an office well, there's room. Also, there's also no levity here. Dude, no, that's good. There's a bush shaking. You know how they would always do it in like those safari movies where you're on an adventure. There's like a, a cat. <laughs> that's like about to pounce in there. It's it's just Weinstein. Just Weinstein, just grunting. It's a uh just coming out of the shower. It's a plastic fern shaking. <laughs> Don't look over there. <laughs> also, d- there's this one part where um they they I they play the they read the script essentially of um Eyes Wide mm, Shut. So they they have a recorded incident that happened between Harvey and someone else in a hotel room. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then they have they reenact it. But we hear the audio of that and we just we have a very dramatic like uh we're walking down a hallway of a hotel. Oh, does it look and like it's dark supposed side to be like room? dramatic and we just hear of like Harvey talking about don't get this out, you know, this would ruin me and blah, blah, blah. is it backlit by blue light and is there fog present no nicholas winding <laughs> reffin had nothing to do with this no, project that's, a, that's jason eisner again go back and listen to episode 400 thank you so much dude uh, i <laughs> were people saying it felt like i had i'd seen the memory yeah it just <laughs> you know man i was um, in the room here's here's my thing when this movie came out i thought okay they're giving this the spotlight treatment you remember that movie yeah yeah I, th- I thought that this would be sort of a spotlight thing. This is a far less interesting, interesting, Damn. involved, 
thoughtless factual version of Spotlight. <laughs> Spotlight has some craft here. I we didn't really have a purpose. We didn't really have a mission statement of 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 what we're trying to do. Uh, and it's not really like a bio. In right? terms of in terms of just pulling punches uh, again, you know why why not show him? Why make him this ominous figure? Um, I don't understand that. I would rather than make him a fucking clown. Yeah, you put him on a pedestal, make him like yeah. You, you give him some yeah, fear. You turn him into. Growing up, Michael Jordan was not in video games. <laughs> he was too good to yeah. put into video games. Yeah, he just had a number. So you did like it, that's crazy. Why, why do that? Why mysticize this man? Fucking take him down. And it, it's just, it's just. It, there's nothing here. Hollywood is bullshit and boring. <laughs> well, I think right now the market really is, um, you know, supply and demand. And the audience, they think, is demanding fear porn. So they want a lot of this kind of shit. They want to be scared to death. Uh, go watch Bloomhouse new horror film, which is terrifying, called Soft and Quiet. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so she said, obviously, five stars. Um, and then I watched a documentary, uh, that was not good about a chef, um, in Denmark. Okay. Cool. I've had a fun time telling people that you loved a movie called high heat. I'm like, it's the mafia. They fight this bitch. I think she was a green beret and she kills them with a meat cleaver. 20% correct. I, I, I was telling, um, Sam, one of our, uh, writers for Uff, and he, he Googled it. He listened, you listen to the damn podcast. He looked it up. He couldn't remember the movie. Yeah. And he went, well, this looks like shit. <laughs> it's good. I'm like, yeah, dude. Clark loved it. It's good. All right. Well, thank you for those uh, horrible movies. Again, both of you fail to watch anything horror related, even genre this week. Paul T. Have... Goodman's. Uh, hey, I gave you an AI chat theater. <laughs> that was horrifying. Yeah, I wish it was like Bella Lugosi in there or like Fatty Arbuckle. Bella or... Lugosi. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Do we want to do a weekly no. uh, teleplay? But next time, could at least, could you have like Alfred Hitchcock in there or something? Like, come on, Kubrick Hitchcock. Let me tell you something. I thought I thought I gave very interesting conversations with the people. I no one else is going to talk to Jerry Reed <laughs> and Burt Reynolds. That's because they realize nobody listening knows who the fuck these people are. <laughs> I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if I want to talk to Jeffrey Epstein, H.R. Giger, George Carlin, Jerry Reed, and Vic Morrow, I will do so. Also, I'm speaking to you now. You know who you are. All you little Clark little cucks out there. I don't want any DMs about like, hey, dude, leave him alone. Jerry Reed's a great actor. Hell I don't care. Yeah. And you're lying. Right. Um, Alfred Hitchcock is there. You want to say anything to him? <laughs> Tell him. Uh, wait. Um. Wow, I get to talk to Alfred Hitchcock. You I do. really don't know what to uh, say. You're blushing right now. Tell him um, I think he's a huge influence, and Rear Window has really made an impact on how I live my day-to-day -day life. Rear Window. All right, well, you're communicating uh, to the grave right now with a Ouija board masquerading as an app. Has made a huge impact on your life? Yeah, my day-to-day -day life. That's very important. Should I say your life or my life? I don't. Can he tell? Uh, we'll we'll okay. we'll we'll take it from there. <laughs> um, I I don't have a I have a lot, and yet I don't. I watched a bunch of shit again for um the unnamed footage festival. We're gonna be out here in the end of March. We don't really have anything yet. I'm retooling the website. We're building our programming. 
Uh, flights have been booked for filmmakers already, so it's coming together. I'll keep you updated, but watched a lot of that. Can't really talk about it. So I'll mention last week after we stopped recording, I immediately drove to the Alamo and caught everybody's favorite new groundbreaking horror film, Skinamarink. Skinamarink. Skinamastink. In the theater. Now, I don't want to quote anybody, but uh, me and Clark did corner somebody who works at the Alamo. In this house. In the Alamo. In this house. Talking about Skinamarink. And we're like, dude, what's going to happen? This is a weird movie to show in a theater. And I believe he answered, yeah, hope they don't order food before it starts. <laughs> here's the thing. In I this think, house. I think a lot of people did order food before it started. Uh, we rolled out there with a fair group. It was raining. There was no parking. Uh, but we made it on time. I'm, I'm a little bummed because I would have loved to watch their pre-show. Like, you know how they always try to set the tone of the movie that's about to play? Sure. What were they going to show there? Like, you missed it? I yeah, but I, I was how many so, how many can I ask you a question? How many Alamo pre shows have you seen? Oh man, six. Oksana, can you help me out here? <laughs> out of five hundred, we've seen a lot of the Terror Tuesday ones that ended up being the same thing. Now a lot, I would probably say maybe you could count them on two hands. And this is t- taking into account that we did attend every Terror Tuesday for two years. For multiple we years, did. for multiple years, we y'all did. would go at least. No, every time. At least once a week. I missed you would go. one because I was out of town. I was in another state for work. I went to. And you went. We <laughs> And again. Um, we used to live closer, and I think we made a lot of them on time before. <laughs> Randy's nodding his head. Don't agree with that. Again, <laughs> yeah, come on. You know, we're fashionably late. Anyway, skip. You want to live in that dream world? Go ahead. Um, hey, Randy, can you do me a favor? Can you pull up the... Uh, the AI generated episode of the Overlook Hour in the Discord. I because this kind of ties in. I don't know. You know, Clark made fun of me for constantly talking about some of my favorite people. Yeah, the East Bay cinematographer known as uh, Jasadi. We're gonna make merch that just says East Bay. Well, <laughs> let me know when you get that pulled up because you might as well read the episode. It's quite long. I don't think I could read it's the whole not thing. That long, and it kind of just gets to the point. <laughs> oh God. But um, I'm scared. So we rolled out. I, you know, I mentioned Jasadi, uh, because he. How do I want to tell this? There's really not a lot that happened. We got there about <laughs> right on time. In the movie. It's a long movie. Again, if In you don't remember Skinamarink, it's the new sensation sweeping the nation. It's, ASMR horror. It's being uh, dubbed as Nightmare Fuel. It's being marketed as Terrifier Three, and yet it what? is. It is some like avant-garde shit that you would watch in, you know, you'd watch with your professor as he was trying to date rape you after school. Okay. (laughs) I'll tell that to the AI. No, again, it's a very, like, it's avant-garde. It's not traditional film, and I think it's actually very challenging. It's also very rewarding, like most challenges. What's Mickey think of it? I have no idea. I think he was not impressed. Again, we're talking about Mickey from Three Friends Podcast, who's in our Discord. If you'd like to join in and talk about things like our AI-generated episode, uh, just shoot one of us a DM. I'm Lord Battle. He's Clark Little. Oksana's Huntress OT. Randy's Caveman for some reason. I don't know why. Um, all on Instagram. Anyway, Skinamarink starts off, and in the first fucking five minutes of that movie, titties. you know that people are going to get the pulse of what they're in for. Oh, yeah. And then there's a moment of disbelief. Like, no, no, no. There's got to be more. Yep. I saw the commercials. I read the articles. Yep. I've seen the tweets. Like, there has to be... Same the tweets! So, about, you know, a half hour in... Talk to the AI. 
that's probably where you're sweating. You realize you carpooled there. Your friend's really into it, but you're like, I didn't know. You're stuck. You're trapped. And um, unfortunately, we sat in row two. So I couldn't really get a, a good uh, view. I couldn't tell if people were leaving. I will say that row one had three people in it. They all left about 80 minutes in. Damn. Why did they stay that long? They probably ordered food. They also looked very embarrassed getting up. They stood up, fixed their jackets because they're very, uh, they felt like, um, uh, what the hell is that term out here for a company that's got no real ideas, but they're trying to sell it and make a bunch of money? A startup. They got startup energy. <laughs> and they, so they stood up, kind of went like, hee hee hee, yeah, we're all just going to the bathroom. Also, you said 80 minutes. They had like 20 minutes left in the movie. I know. Wow. And I'm like, oh, that's rough. Because, you know, they probably wanted to leave a half hour before. But they knew how long the movie was. Yeah, I don't. I, they probably were like, do you really think anything's going to happen in the last 20? Idiotas. Um, so that was the only walkout experience I saw. But when the movie wrapped. Now, I should mention that me and Oksana were sitting next to a couple of ladies who were very animated and um, covered their eyes through most of the movie. Animaniacs. Little did they know there's not a lot to look at. But, hey, it worked. They were affected. One of them got up in a rush. I think she was trying to avoid what she thought would be a jump scare. Yeah. She walked by my table, clipped all of the notes off that hit the floor and just exploded everywhere. <laughs> she kept walking and then decided he probably noticed. And I'm sitting right by her. So she turned around. I made eye contact. I said, don't worry about it. I was like, I've seen this before. I'm a I'm a true horror connoisseur. <laughs> I said, I got you. And then I picked them all up. But here's the what was really going on in my head. Here we go. I couldn't fucking sync up with the movie. Yeah. I'd seen it before. I thought in a theater it would have a presence that it really demanded attention and it would be easier to take in. Here's the thing. When I watched it with Oksana and she passed out, I was in this mind of like, no, I'm watching it. I'm gonna I need to like immerse myself. I'm gonna have fun. And I did. And uh, this time, I could not help it. We had an angry waiter who was at least um, seven feet tall. He was crabby. He was the, he was seven feet tall. Oh, there should be a height limit at the Alamo. I agree. If you're too tall and you're not willing to limbo, then don't fucking serve yeah, tables. Fuck off, you tall freaks. Dude, he was going back and forth. He was angry. Also, I don't know. Okay, now, I've worked in restaurant industries a lot. What was Conan's I, problem? Dude. Dude, he was bald. He was way scary. Oh. He was um uh what what's the curb stomp movie? Dude, American History. American History yeah. X. They used to be Oksana's favorite film. American History X. Uh, Conan. <laughs> Dude, a tall bald man is horrifying. Dude, well here's the thing. So our East Bay cinematographer friend Jasadi, um, was in row three in one of the the side. I don't know who the fuck sits on those. I don't see baby. No, the aisle's fine. I love the aisle. I was in the aisle, but you know how there's a break and then you're in the weird angle? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was in that. I'm okay with that as long as it's the first seat that's in the aisle. Wow. Oh, so he was there, but he moved up a row. And then so the dude came over. Slenderman. The Slenderman. Yeah, the angry Slenderman came over. Uh, was very upset about crouching down to pick up his card. Looked at it. Went, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just like hurriedly. And they went, wait a minute. What seat are you in? And just thought he went, oh, yeah, my problem. Uh, my friends are right here. So I just moved up. There's like nobody up. here. He said, you know what, man? I'm not even going to fucking deal with it right now. And then he just he just took it and left. 
And I went, and he looked at me like, what? And I'm like, dude, that is not the vibe at the Alamo usually. Yeah. One, they are a stickler for rules, but for shit like that. Don't be a fucking bitch, Slender Man. Do yeah. your job. He, he threw a fit. Anyway, Piece that, of was, shit. that was his attitude the whole movie. Fuck that guy. And he was just, and here's the other thing. I've worked in restaurants. You want to bring a bunch of food out. You want to be efficient. You got to remember multiple tables, but you're going to drop off a Coke there. You're going to bring over popcorn here. Not there. I don't know what's going on, but they had, it was like fucking cockroaches everywhere. Everybody would have one water and they would walk, drop it off. And then somebody else would run by and drop off the popcorn. It's like, dude, y'all, this is not the movie to be scurrying around the theater. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, bad customer service. That's just fucking. They weren't bad though. It's just. That, that was movie, bad. What you said with Jasani. Oh, the, that yeah, dude. Fuck that guy. That dude felt like he was crumbling under. So. Well, yeah, it was packed. <laughs> When Marbles came to town, we did go and hang out with um, Jake, the uh, the the fucking program director for the whole Alamo um, network now. And we were hanging out and we, of course, talked about Skinnamarink. He brought up, they sold around 250 tickets for that screening in theater one. Yeah. Bizarre. If you've seen the film, it's just weird. Again, out. Um. It's made 1.2 million, I think. Dude, it's insane. Which is all marketing. It's all marketing. 15K. People calling it Blair Witch 2.0. So here's the thing. 80% of people are going to lie and say they like this movie. Yep. 10% of people are just going to tell you they didn't like it. And 10% are going to like it. The reason I brought up Jasadi, he was texting me when he got home and said, Bruh, I almost want to turn on my lights. I'm, <laughs> he was freaked out. And this is why we fuck with them because you know, the imagination, it can do wonders. Sure. Anyway, um, maybe don't watch that in theaters. Uh, another thing that I say, I don't want to talk a lot. How about, many stars this time? I'd probably give it four again. What? You, see, you, didn't, you didn't even relate. You the, give it four stars. The audio was fantastic. And that's oh really God. why I went. It was loud. Um, I felt like when we were at home, you've become what you hate. What? Hipster Randy? Scum. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half. No, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I do like the movie, but I couldn't get out of my head thinking that other people were going to lie to me about liking it. But this life you live, it's exhausting. You know, I should mention when the movie ended, again, it's kind of a cold end. Yeah. Um, also, they do this thing where they bait the title. Like you, you're waiting for the title drop. Why is it called Skinnamarink? And you think you're going to get it. And then it just says the end. And um, there was a there was a light clap. Like a, <coughs> yeah, and then one person went boo, <laughs> and then everybody started laughing. But they didn't join in on the boo; they just acknowledged it. Yeah, and it was kind of like it felt like a thank you. I think it was a release. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it was a thank you. There's not even there's not even a hint of levity in that thing. No, I like it though. Um, <laughs> anyway, something I didn't like. Uh, you probably all heard about this little doozy. You guys hear about that? Again, uh, I love IPs. You know, I talk about them all the time. I, I like ICPs. I love them in relation to video games. And unfortunately, Randy didn't talk about it earlier, but uh, The Last of Us came out, and I believe he did watch the first episode. Randy, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, yeah, it was a little long. I got a little uh, sleepy towards the end. It's like it's a 90-minute first episode. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was good. Uh, some of the action was pretty solid uh, in like... You know, the beginning where, where the shit hits the fan, like Pedro Pascal. So I don't know. I'll probably uh, 
I'll at least watch one more episode, see how it goes. All right. Well, I'm glad you watched it, and I'm glad I didn't because 90 minutes it wouldn't have. I wouldn't have squeezed it in here. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I'm I'm conflicted. I didn't play the video game. Nope. And everybody's saying it's perfect. Yep. They didn't fuck with it in any way. I loved it. And then, oh, you did watch it? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so everybody's saying it's fantastic. It's just like the game, which is the problem I've had with everything Resident Evil has ever done in the film world. Yet I'm kind of like even Raccoon City. Now that I, dude, hey, no, put no, it on to raccoons in it. Um. Now that I haven't played the game, I'm almost like, fuck, I have a weird FOMO. But at the same time, I'm like, well, now I could experience it completely like un- untethered by the game. Anyway, this is what I was thinking about. And I said, you know what? I'll split the difference. I'll settle for another reboot of an IP. And I watched Velma on HBO oh, Max. Gosh. Now, here's the thing. The internet fucking hates this show. Yep. And uh, they're correct. I'll just say that right now. It is no good. I do. Can I just say, I'm not, I'm not trying to like be mean here. Oh, okay. But like, cause I think the show is trying to be mean. people like Mindy Kaling. I was under the impression they did. Cause it seems like they do not like her now. I think, um, the problem with Mindy is that she is a nuanced person. Yeah. And somehow has the unique ability to piss off both political parties. Yeah. <laughs> it's really rare because normally the attitude you get, from somebody in her position, very active on Twitter, very race conscious and gender conscious, is that she becomes an enemy of the right. Yet <laughs> she does enough like me too riffing and like she kind of takes the piss out of shit that a lot of a lot of people who aren't on, you know, because she's a comedian, left, the binary shit is the problem. Yeah. And I think she is a nuanced person who's probably mostly moderate. And is pretending to deal in more of the like far left stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. None of that shit matters. The problem with the show is they took an IP. They, they changed. The IP is literally a skin. Nothing about this show rings true from the source material. Um, my favorite comment related to the Velma. Oh, here, let me, let me read what IMDb calls it. The origin of the sleuth and member of the Mystery Inc. gang, Velma. That's it, right? Well, here's the thing. They're rewriting all of history. And everybody, you know, I think people at face value get caught up on, like, uh, race swapping. That doesn't fucking matter at all. Nobody cares. Yeah. All they want is, you know, to have the original story kind of be treated with love. And in this one, it's not it's not treated disrespectfully. It's just completely fucking ignored. So Velma is a, which I think is, is that may be one of the worst offenses, right? Well, here's the thing. So where you just basically, you steal an IP and then you do whatever the fuck and you pay no like respect to it. it. It's just, it's like, Hey, we're going to cash in. It's like, Hey, I wanted to do a show about me because everybody agrees. It's an author insert character. Velma is just Mindy period. Yeah. And it's like, the only way I could do it was if I got money calling it Velma. And it ends there. So, like, Daphne, they, they made her Asian, which the internet's like, oh, this is what you... Normally, you would think the internet would be like, oh, only racists take this show because they didn't want her to be Asian. That doesn't fucking matter. Honestly, she vaguely looks Asian. She has to tell you in the first episode right off the bat that she is. Hmm. Not a big deal. Also, she's still got her red hair. Excellent cool. exposition. Dude. Oh, dude. 
watch the first two minutes of the show and you're like, it's fair enough that they come right out the bat. So if you're going to have a problem with that, you know, immediately. Yeah. What you don't know is that Velma's going to be an unlikable bitch. She's mean <laughs> to everybody. Daphne is a drug dealer and a cunt. She just rude. She's a drug dealer. Shaggy um, just isn't shaggy. <laughs> he's just that's not even his name in the show. His name's Norville. Um, and he's kind of like an offbeat dude who's in love with Velma. Tia Stoner. And then you're kind of like, uh, what's up with Fred? It's like, well, Fred is just he's become the Thor of the Marvel Universe. He's the butt of every joke. They talk about how little his dick is. And uh, he's Hell kind yeah. of this rich guy stereotype who he's so rich and baby that he can't feed himself. Like he doesn't know how to hold a fork. And at the end of the day, who gives a fuck about the race shit? The problem here is it's not funny. Nothing is fucking funny here. How, this uh, how uh, if they're talking about penis? Uh, how uh, what is this oh, rated? Dude, you want to know the first joke, the first visual joke in the show? Mm. Uh, they're kind of painting the scene that the girls' locker room. First off, uh, all they're all in high school. We open up in a shower where there's a bunch of naked girls. They don't show the nudity, but they do show two cockroaches fucking on the floor. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, what is this humor, right? So uh, Mindy did go on the record saying that she thought for an adult version of Scooby-Doo, nobody would be interested in a talking dog. So we watched three episodes. There's no dog, period. Not, not, let alone not Scooby. There's no dog. So it's like, what are we doing? Um, well, spoiler, new episodes dropped and Scooby appeared. Do you know what Scooby is? No. Scooby is a chick that Norville falls in love with. What? Yeah. So there's a black girl that shows up named Scooby with an eye. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like that might be problematic. Like, if you just want to infer that the dog has now been transferred into a woman character. Man, just says, well, why? What, what, what is the point of taking a beloved IP that's just like, fine. Here's the thing. I Which think, is a kid's IP. Yeah. And turning it into this vile, confusing well, also mess. Also, think about it. It's a kid's IP that's all about like a group of weirdos. They're all very different. Fred, Shaggy, Velma, Daphne. They all look like they come from different cliques at high school. Yet they come together to solve a mystery. And at the end of the day, you could say Scooby-Doo's about kind of, um, I don't know, deflating fake news. Like, don't take shit at face, face value and do a little research and figure the problem out. It's actually a pretty moral show. Um, and this show <laughs> has mysteries like Daphne's. Uh, okay, what's the mystery here? Who's Daphne's real parents? Because her parents are uh, they're a lesbian couple of cops who are bad police and end up shooting Fred when he's innocent of a crime. Also, they never revisit. This show is just bad. The problem here is I think Mindy thought she was being kind of like thoughtful while leaning into like uh, race relations and PC culture while also taking the piss out of it, except the show's self-aware, except it's mean to the audience that's watching it. So you're just like, what are you doing? It's not fun for anybody. And I apologize if you've been online, like I have, everybody is ripping this show. Yeah. I think on rotten tomatoes, uh, if you keep checking, it will drop in front of your eyes. I think the audience score right now is 6%. Oh, it's, dude, I think IMDb, it's dethroned everything as the number one hated show ever. Which, you know, honestly, there's, there's something beautiful in our war-torn political country that is, you know, 2023 America, that we can unite in hating this show. 
Um, again, very briefly, there's another show that everybody's hating that hit a little close to home. On Friday nights, we get together and watch Drag Race, From which has day. been cut down <laughs> to make room for Todrick Hall's new reality show called, what, Friends of Hosts? What the fuck is that show called? I don't know. But if you haven't been keeping up, Todrick Hall, he used to be a choreographer on RuPaul's show. Oh, yes, of course. Everybody kind of loved him. He has big hits on YouTube with his music. He's my favorite. Went on Big Brother and uh, was crowned the king of gaslighting. Oh. He did things like uh, imagine um, you make friends with somebody on a reality show. And it's, it's incredible. You're here. It's kind of like a faux reality, but you make a real connection with somebody. And she tells you about domestic abuse and, um, you know, problems she's had and personal triggers. Well, you know, in the third act of the show, you decide I need a one upper. So you start using those triggers she told you about against her. These are the kind of tactics Todrick used. So the Internet turned on him they fucking hate him so now uh drag race which has has every fucking country on this planet has their own version of this show they're all inferior and that's not true i heard philippines was a lot of fun a lot of the latin ones are really good holland is so boring canada of no course, great. holland is it they're just boring in UK general it's okay um but you know we get back to america well what about germany that would be a good one <laughs> Dude, they're so liberal. I bet it would be good. Dude, Germany would be good. Hopefully, we get some uh, BDSM in that one. Also, oh, we need yeah. a furry version. We, oh, we, there's got to be a lot of leather. We need uh, RuPaul's Dark Web Race. Um, Fuck yeah. No, but here's the thing. We come back. Everybody's excited. It's the American season, what, 15 are we on? Um, I, think I think it's 15. So. And they cut it down because MTV's like, no, we got to make room for Todrick. The internet, if you want to have fun, go look up Instagram or Twitter, anything related to Velma the show or Todrick in general. Everybody, it's, it's so nice to see people coming together. Anyway, I did actually <laughs> watch a movie. We went out to the theater on Thursday um, for the new grand opening of the sequel to one of my least favorite in-world camera films, Searching. And we saw Missing. Um, one of your least favorite films. You could have ended the sentence, right? I did, yeah, right. What um, a hunk of snot. No, but it is important because it's the format. And the thing I loved about um, in-world camera is just the narrative device. And searching had it, but I think the thing that keeps being used against me is they called it, uh, what did I say? It's found footage with training wheels. Yeah. I've been quoted multiple times as saying that. And I stand by it. So missing, IMDb says, after her mother goes missing, a young woman tries to find her from home using tools available to her online. So she builds a Justice League out of AIs of dead people, <laughs> and they uh, basically go on Craigslist and find her. Honestly, that, could, that would be a good movie. But Missing? It's a good movie. And I stand... Dude, here's the thing. You sold it's, out. It's Hallmark. Like, the plot here is very... Um, they're tugging at every emotional string they can get. But the movie has a different pace to it. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hark back to episode 400 <laughs> of the Overlook Hour. Where we had Jason Eisner on. We kept talking to him about how his film felt like it was like rapid pace. And actually, I was talking to Jake about it, the program director for all the Alamos. He called it as it, it felt like an Amblin film that was edited by a child. But he meant that as a compliment. Yeah. 
And I'm like, dude, you're right. It's got like a TikTok energy to it. Well, wasn't that kind of the point? Because, you know, our central character, the one leading us, is a you know, exactly. teenager. No, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Jake, you're that's we right. Have, we should have Jake back on here. Sure. Um, but no, he nailed it. And here's the thing. Missing has so imagine you have an 18 year God. What 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 year was she born, Oksana? I remember we were talking about it. She's supposed to be 18 in that movie. So she was born like 2005. Oh my God. Post Towers? Dude. Oh, young. But here's the thing. She's supposed to pick up her mom um, on when her flight comes in from uh, Hawaii, right? Chile. Oh, from Chile. Yeah, Chile. That's right. She was going south of the border. Ooh, um, Chile, beautiful country. She never shows up. Oh, God. So the thing from, is. Back from Chile. Yeah. And her daughter takes to the internet. And I'll As tell you, she does. I, you know, I don't consider myself old. <laughs> well, and I'd like to think I'm a little savvy. You know, I'm not talking to the dead via an app. Randy and I refer to you as the old geezer. <laughs> <laughs> I am the oldest here and the wisest. It really shows. <laughs> anyway, I, I was kind of amazed. They tie in. Oh fuck! Um, they they give a lot of props to uh, Task Rabbit. Which I've never used. Yeah. At, at work we have. But um when the police fail her, she hires a task rabbit in another country to help do her sleuthing. Now in the trailer, it looked like I would like that guy. He's fantastic. Okay. He plays kind of like a surrogate father role yeah. in this movie. And uh I'd be lying if I didn't tear up twice. He had now, a very warm energy in the trailer. Also a very prolific character actor. Oksana yeah. convinced she's like, What is that guy from? He has to have played a vampire in something. <laughs> like, oh, why a vampire? What? That's what I'm picturing him as. He might just look a lot like somebody. That's so weird. I mean, this is information we can find out, guys. I so, tried. We looked through his uh, his filmography on Letterboxd, and it just would not end. No, yeah. yeah. How many credits does he have? Hundreds. Oh, yeah. Is it? It just tells me that I haven't seen any of. I haven't logged any of them on Letterboxd. What? Oh yeah, dude. You know his face. Yeah, no, he's great. Here's the thing. Dude, he was in uh, Behind Enemy Lines, dude. Um, he's been in 144 films. So Storm films. Reed, who plays June, she's fantastic. Um, I, I love this trend, and I, I, we told Jason Eisner this, too. I love having actors portray the accurate role of the film. She feels youthful. So there's a lot of like subterfuge with her mom. She's gonna throw a party while she's gone. Oh, she was in a. She plays um, uh, Zendaya's little sister in Euphoria. Oh, really? I've, yeah, I've she's never very watched good. Euphoria. Yeah, she's good. Um, she was great in this role. Uh, probably a very different character <laughs> in this wholesome Hallmark uh, movie. Yeah. So here's one of my problems with searching was every red herring felt like the movie was gonna take an NC-17 turn. Like, do you remember at one time they hint that the uncle may have been kidnapping and molesting correct and it's like whoa what movie are we? and then it's like no nah, that didn't happen yeah they do that three times in that movie hell yeah this one they don't it's very straightforward but it is just good storytelling they um Chekhov is buried here they check off a lot but it's never up front so when shit comes back around it feels a little hokey like they do a thing where it's like what's the password and, you know, every time you figure out the password, it's one of those, like, Shyamalan moments. You're like, oh. And, like, the whole audience kind of has that aha moment together. That's all a little, like, hammy. The thing I loved is the craft. 
Everything is in-world camera. That's a, uh, I love the craft too. Dude, dude, great movie. Hot witches. Let's get back to the 90s. So tell me I prefer Charmed as Hot Witches. Okay, shut the hell up. Rose McGowan. <laughs> you idiot. Here's the thing. The craft is fantastic. Okay, thank you for not jumping in there. They, <laughs> Randy, here's, here's what I'm going to sell you on. When you do an interview. I've seen it. Oh, you watched it? Yes, but go on. Okay. Both of y'all are traitors, so I Dave. Ho- I hope you enjoyed. You were invited, you dick. You I'm just no- didn't come. No, I was not invited. You're like, oh, I scheduled Amazon to be delivered, That's so true. I wouldn't have to go. I invited you. Yeah, I was invited. Yeah, okay. I, so I play the- a role here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Here's the thing. I love it when you take the parameters of in-world camera. Like, everything had to be captured by a device. So a lot of this movie... There is the awkward thing that she's on a laptop and she has um, FaceTime open, even though she's not calling people, just so we can see her on the. I hate that. Right? It that was the one thing where it's like, nobody, so annoying. Nobody does that, but I understand. I mean, you understand why it happened. Yeah, but it took me out of it. I once I, I can't trust someone that leaves their front-facing camera <laughs> and looking at themselves like that all the time. Well, Randy, <sighs> her mom went missing. Maybe she was just trying to have an eye behind her. This is my point to this is that she's so tech savvy with everything. She can't just use like a hotkey to hide the application and then like open it up again later. Now here's Randy. She's a minor. Don't talk about hotkeys. Well, Randy, if, no, because if we're going to double down on that, the other cardinal rule, actually it's not a cardinal rule. It's probably the most bendy rule out of all the in-world camera shit. They have a very emotionally guided BGM. The music is constantly telling you what we're doing. And I of mean, course. that in the camera, I, I pretty much think it ended there for like, what are we doing? Now, Randy, I hope you, you enjoyed it as much as I did. Nope. There was an eye <laughs> <laughs> There was an eye line. So there's a moment where uh, somebody comes to her door and knocks. And to with film language, you're always trying to articulate something non-verbally. And... Um, you know, when you really get into like a medium shot, a wide shot, a close up, they all have an application and they all mean different things um, in a subtle way. There was a shot where she answered the door and the relationship had a lot of baggage here. One person was captured on the ring bell. So it was an up close shot. It was a little distorted because it's kind of a fisheye lens. Yep. She was captured on her laptop, which was on a table on the other side of the room. So she's in a wide shot. It's very cold and it's distorted because it's dark. And they were doing a typical like eyeline, like, you know, cut, cut while they're talking. One's on a ring cam, one's on the laptop. And I was just like, that is what I want for my in-world camera shit. Because it's something that you would have no, it would be jarring if you did that in a regular show. But here it felt natural. But it also um, impacted the in the way that a traditional film would, like a director. And I I love that. And I felt like the movie did not a ton of that. Like, I, I felt like that was particularly, like, an inspired moment. But it is, there's something about the internet that's just so much fun. And when you're dealing with, like, encryption and uh, <laughs> Latin vampires that work for TaskRabbit. I figured out where he's from. What's not a vampire? He's a drug dealer. <laughs> Same thing. Society's vampire. <laughs> Man Almighty. Okay, what was it? Um, that show we watched, Queen oh. of the South. What? The, oh. sh- the show Ed Sanchez directs. 
uh, Ed Sanchez directed and Bill Spataro worked on. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, what a small world. We'll, yeah, so we'll uh, have him on the show next week. Now, Randy, I'm, I'm getting a vibe from you that you didn't enjoy this. Correct. Uh, um, <laughs> I did. I didn't love it. I definitely think it is better than searching. And I think the, the shit I took this morning. Well, here's the thing. Searching felt like it was like this profound, slow paced, like really take it in. This one doesn't. It feels like it's a roller coaster. It's constantly moving. And it's kind of a more um, genre. Like it's a mystery. And we're just constantly finding layers. We're digging stuff up. It just felt more fun. It's a lot more fun than searching was. Um, It also doesn't have the red herrings that it's going to be something it's not. And I mean, here's the thing. I watched it with most of the programmers at Up, and I don't think any of them liked it. I did. Terrell felt (laughs) Terrell, our brother in arms, the one who does Blu-ray Tuesday on YouTube, which you should watch. He felt like it was the first movie he had ever been to. And he was like, no, go up. He was just like, don't do it. You dumb bitch. He was, dude, he was on a roller coaster. He had won a million dollars. He was clapping. (laughs) He was screaming. He was completely immersed. So here's the thing. Honestly, I think he got a fair chance to like in this movie. I think people should go watch it. I think now that Randy came in here with his like, "Mm, Criterion would never release this. I think Clark. I think Clark would instantly hate it now. Okay, first of all, I make my own decisions. Both you and I know that. That's a bullshit. You would hate this thing on some weird principle or something. Well, a man has to have his principles, Russell. (laughs) Now uh, we've heard point from Russell Fisher. Counterpoint now with Randy Michaelstadt. I texted Clark this after I saw it, but I named this movie a Screen Lifetime movie. Very good. No. Oh, no. I, you know what's funny? I actually had this conversation. You just said it's Hallmark. Hallmark and Lifetime are the same thing. They're not. And there's there's oh. a nuance there, Randy. Hallmark is a well-crafted, boring kind of like early um, film code film where it's always kind of like, you know, everything's going to be good. Also, Lifetime, Hallmark has a more um, uh, religious sort of uh, yeah, aspect it's just to it. wholesome. Yeah. Hallmark Lifetime, is wholesome. Lifetime is the one that gets gnarly and weird and you know they have the writing room that is completely open they're the ones that are like add more rape <laughs> make it fucked up let's get some sex trafficking in there like that i've heard um searching was lifetime trent haga talked about it he's the one who did a uh, dead girl he's 68 said, kill and uh, yep and he's the one who worked on um he he was in the writing room at sci-fi channel and he said those motherfuckers are like no we have a style and you have to abide by it. Yeah. He said he went to Lifetime and they're like, make it bloodier. So that's the, no, Randy, I think you're correct in your line of thought, but I just think the Lifetime one was searching and it was a lie. They were trying to like make you think it was a Lifetime movie and it wasn't. Yeah. It, it was, it was Hallmark being misrepresented. This one doesn't do that. It's, it's just a fucking Hallmark movie. So if you're looking for blood and guts, there is a, um, there's a violent moment that fucking Terrell exploded for. <laughs> but again, it's really, it's just a mystery. I don't know. It's kind of like um, Harriet the Spy. <laughs> Call back to the early aughts. Oh. No, I for Harriet the Tubman. Again, everybody was kind of confused that I was really into this movie. Again, it's, it's, probably, it's probably a four star for me. Again, it is purely based on the lens of the way that they use the in-world camera stuff. And Randy, uh, you're right there with me, man. The fucking open... Um, 
FaceTime while not talking to anybody. Yeah, man. I'm like, come on. Nobody does that. Yeah. Even if even if you were going to be like a Gen Z person, she talked about how her laptop was refurbished. And I'm like, if you're trying to get it to work better, why don't you close the fucking video feed that you constantly have open? Uh, I have a counterpoint to this, but if I I, I say too much, I feel like I may incriminate myself. All right. Well, don't do that. Okay. I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying it. I I will take the counter argument and say that it can happen. Oh, my God. I saw something this week exhibiting that behavior. I told you about it. You did? I did. Is it porn related? No, you idiot. <laughs> it's just with you and video and camera. No, it's work the- related. Oh, okay. Do you remember what I was telling you about? Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, but that felt like it wasn't supposed to happen. But it happened. What Clark was talking about, again, I'm not, I think the only way you could say it is that uh, somebody wasn't doing their job and recorded them doing it. Correct. But for <laughs> why? I don't know. Here's the other thing. She wasn't recording it. She just had the camera on. Like, you know, so if you, yeah, if you go to Facebook. I know, but what I'm saying is like, there was a, circumstances are different in this scenario, but I still think that, you know, we can still get to B from A. It's kind of like, you know how everybody hates in Zoom, how if you have the grid, if you have the Brady Bunch thing going on and you're one of them, you constantly are looking at yourself. It's like, imagine that you just have Zoom open and you're the only thing in there all the time. Yeah. It's like, why the fuck would you do that? Again, sure. that's splitting hairs. The movie's good. Go watch it. Um, four stars. Yeah, Hold on. four. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna add add more counterpoint, <laughs> please. So this is just a matter of taste for me. I hated the editing style and like how TikToky it was. Oh yeah. I love a slow movie. I love a movie that doesn't um, think the audience is too dumb to like look where they need to look and it has to like edit or zoom in or I don't know. All that just bugged me. It felt like it did everything that searching did, but more like 10 times more, like everything that I hated about searching this did. So, um, counterpoint, no, <laughs> Randy's completely correct. And I'm glad you brought up the two things I forgot to talk about. TikTok and the zoom. Yeah. Uh, I called it found footage with training wheels, uh, searching because of that. For sure. And they do, Randy's totally right. They do it 200% more here. The difference is that unfriended, what it did was it allowed you to linger on the screen. Like what Randy's saying, you get a little room to breathe and you can think about shit. But in searching, they also did that, but they would zoom in like, hey, look down here. She's going to click. In this one, it is edited like TikTok. There is no room to breathe. So if, if you have a crowded screen and you're clicking all over, hiring TaskRabbit, vampires in Mexico. Fine, zoom in. <laughs> it, you know, it didn't bother me. It felt more um, like a utility in this film. I do want to say the one thing that was story, like added to like kind of fill out the world was when the mystery started getting uh, national coverage. They did a thing where they had TikTokers covering it. I thought that was the most true thing statement in the whole movie where they had these two little kids in a room going you know honestly i think what happened is that the mom did it and she's behind this whole thing and the other guy has like like these two little fucks are just talking and they show the comments and everybody's like yep definitely that's exactly what happened and they show our lead reacting to it she's like who the fuck are these people like they have no idea what's going on and she'll jump in the comments and be like 
you have no clue what you're talking about and then try and ban them. And it's like, that felt fucking real. Yeah, for sure. It felt also, real and interesting. Aren't those kids kind of doing this? I know that, you know, the case was much closer to her, but aren't they kind of doing the same thing that she was doing by like being an internet sleuth? Kind of, except they were just, um, they were doing what we're doing right now, which is, yeah. you know, acting like our opinions mean something where I think she was just trying to find her mom. So like, I, I guess, you know, she can't really play around in a theoretical world. She has to find facts to build a case because ultimately she was trying to get the police to do something. But like, yeah, no, Randy, I, I thought that was so cool that like, because it was kind of like, I felt the same thing. I'm like, dude, this feels like it's edited for TikTok. And, yeah. then, and then they showed TikTok, but in like a bad light. I was like, yeah. I don't know, dude. I, I was kind of into it. Again, four stars. <sighs> Let me tell you. You had me sold. Oh, and then I got you out of it. <laughs> then he, I, I take both of your, your, your critiques with, I don't know if a grain of salt is correct, but like, I know where both of you are coming from. Yeah. By the way, I've known each of you for 10 years. We've known each other for almost a decade now. I know how you guys tick. I know what you're going to bring to the table. But the more you talked about it even positively <laughs> you started to like get me out of it i, I have that effect I, <laughs> I just mean you kept saying well it's a lot like it's a lot like uh yeah the the uh the other one i can't remember well you know uh, the thing i don't talk a lot about here is the story i hate the other here's the story hey he's a good guy oh shit he's a bad guy oh shit he's a good guy oh shit he's a bad guy and then wherever you end up you're like yeah, it was kind of a cute Look, way to I'm do fine. That. Here's the thing. I think that the story of this, it, I don't know. I may like this more, um, but I still don't think I'm going to watch it. If you're feeling particularly sentimental, you would eat this movie up. If you're uh, feeling kind of like sarcastic and prickly, yeah. you'd fucking hate this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, your thoughts. <laughs> Uh, there was not a lot of people in my theater, but there was a definitely a, uh, a crowd of people near the back of the theater that was having the Terrell, Terrell experience. Dude. I was Terrell just hating myself for going. No, they were, dude. <laughs> uh, again, you know, I, I had to lampshade Terrell because, you know, he appears on the show and we work with him. He was not the only one. There were people clapping, yelling, fuck, bitch, what are you doing? Like, they were just completely immersed. Right. But I, I mean, this is a fucking show of uh, incel rage, yeah. so it might not be for us. I know my rage, despite all your incel rage, indeed. All right, uh, missing two stars now. Anything else, Russ? Randy, what would you rate it? Clark got it right. Two stars. <laughs> Damn, Randy's cold <laughs> as hell. God, I gotta have hot takes this year, guys. <laughs> 2023 Randy holds no prisoners. I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. We did it. Anything else, boys and girls? Oksana, anything? Uh, what did you think? I know you rated it very highly on the uh, Letterboxd. I did. And I hated searching as well. Because it sucked shit. This one, I feel like the characters were better developed. They were a lot more fun. I don't know. I, I got sucked into the story this time. My guy's in it. I like that guy who plays the stepdad or whatever. Kevin Lou. Yeah, he's cool. Kevin Loon? He was a. Uh, he's our guy in uh, the Shyamalan. Ken Loon? <laughs> his name's Kevin in the movie. It may be long. Long? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. could look it up. Ken, I have a. I don't know how computer. to pronounce that. Yeah. 
Um, Ken L E U N G. Yeah, he's tight. Yeah, he's been in everything. I also got the country wrong. It was in Colombia, not Colombia. <laughs> I got the first letter right. What kind of fucking producer are you? <laughs> it's not. I mean, you're lucky one of the cast is uh, stooping you because otherwise you'd be fired. Stooping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Finkelstein. I've been watching that new show. <laughs> oh Oksana, are you converting him? <laughs> I've never used that word. I don't think maybe a handful. Stoop. Well, Please. Wh- <laughs> next time you see your mom, uh, sneak in the word stoop and see what happens. Yeah. When we go for our uh, family photo where your mom requested he wears my first Hanukkah shirt, mm-hmm. I'll bring that up. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> He's not going to fit in that shirt, by you the know, way. I think, I think the inclusion of way more like social media made this one more fun, even though like the TikTok editing is like exhausting, but it made it. L- feel like uh like very fast paced you know what it is it's like almost two hours long it didn't feel that long to me it's two hours here's the thing and i think this is why randy probably hates it the tiktok editing is almost like a magician's trick like it's happening so quick that you really have no time to take anything in and i think for a mystery it kind of you know plays to its favor because i this thing is not deep and you can sit there and probably just be like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Right. Is it just more of the same? To me, it was, but I don't know. People like it. My God. Just wait till Criterion puts it out. He'll that's put it right true. next to his Michael Bay movies. <laughs> <laughs> Who did put this out? Oh. Uh, it's not. Is it Bloomhouse? It's not Bloomhouse. I don't House. think it's Bloomhouse. Um, I think it's Kino Lorber. Sony? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sony Pictures releases, yeah. Sony. Ooh, it's a Spider-Man property. Oh, but it was picked up by A24. Good job. Ooh. I'm going to start calling them A24. By the way, you were talking about Unfriended, which I think, I don't think there's any arguments in this room and are in the room in Atlanta. that That's 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 a, the pinnacle screen life film. Unfriended. Uh, I feel like there's an argument you can make there, but... You can't, certainly. It's, it's great. Yeah. Have y'all seen... Uh, Someone made a, a meme of unfriended. There's like a screenshot of the unfriended chat, and someone threw in <laughs> Brendan Fraser as the whale because his whole thing is e learning. And so he put a window, and it's just his <laughs> giant face is like the professor. That's so fucking dumb. I think I have it. You, why do you keep sending whale memes, dude? <laughs> you sent that avatar one where instead of the whale alien, it's just. Him. Can I tell you something? I had it queued up to send it, and I didn't send it. Uh, but it's very good. Let me find it. Uh, Randy. Va- oh, nope. Never mind. Here we are. Let me show the chat for Randy. You idiot. <laughs> nice. That's so stupid. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's funny. Oksana. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. Go watch missing <laughs> PG 13 horror is in, in 2023. You know what else is in on 2023? Randy saying goodbye for this episode. Randy. Goodbye. Come on, sound like a goddamn computer. Also, don't see the whale. That movie kind of sucks, too. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. 
And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>